Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. Mario and Jim, thank you so much for this opportunity tonight. Uh, for the next few minutes, myself and then Leo Homan, a columnist and investigative reporter, will be talking about this important subject and really what is at hand. And we are talking about it tonight because there is power in prayer. There is answer in prayer. We are not fearful, even though these are great events. The power is in all of us believing in the power of Jesus Christ. And so we stand on that. Um, I want to thank you for appreciating that I can't have my camera on tonight. I've been struggling with COVID pretty severely lately, and I'm just not suitable for camera. So thank you so much for letting me just be able to speak, and then I'll hand it off to Leo. Mario had asked if I would give just a little bit of background on the World Economic Forum. The World Economic Forum is an organization that was created. It's not a government organization, but it was created And the leader of it is a man named Klaus Schwab. It began back in the 1970s, and it was meant to pull together Europe in a common way, both economically and politically. But then it morphed beyond that, and it got to be even more powerful and more influential because of the people who were associated with the World Economic Forum. You would know these names. It is the richest people on earth. It's people like Mark Zuckerberg who owns Facebook. And it's people like Bill Gates who owns Microsoft. It's people from the cultural world, political world, uh, military world, business world. And they come together for a common purpose. And that purpose is to have global authority and global control around the world. And so just as you look at Russia, Russia is essentially essentially an oligarchy. It's kind of like Al Capone and the mob. Uh, it's a few bad actors that cut up the whole country and they control different sectors. That's what Klaus Schwab wants to do with the World Economic Forum, which is to essentially take the entire globe and run monopolies and have different organizations or businesses control different aspects of the globe. Uh, They've been fairly uh, uh, hidden, you might say. They didn't want to be overt. They had overwhelming security when they would meet in Davos, Switzerland. Many of you maybe heard twice a year that this crowd would meet in Davos, Switzerland, and they were quietly planning. A lot of planning was going on. As a matter of fact, um, in the very end of 2019, they ran a trial test for a pandemic, a pandemic based upon a coronavirus before the coronavirus happened. So it's raised a lot of questions about these people and what it is that they want to do. Let me just tell you most recently what the World Economic Forum has been doing. As quiet as they were before, they are now just as bold. They are bold and they are happy to tell the world what it is that they want to do. They had a a young global leader forum where they've been training people who are now in positions of authority around the world. Uh, Macron, who's the head of France, was trained through the World Economic Forum, young global leaders. So was Justin Trudeau, the prime minister of uh, Canada. So was half of the parliament in Venezuela. 
In fact, you can go on the World Economic Forum website and look at their young global leaders, and you'll see just how many people have been trained in what is essentially a movement toward one world government. If five, 10 years ago, you talked about one world government, people would look at you like you're a nut and they would think that you wear a tinfoil hat. Now these people are talking about one world government. Uh, Mario had mentioned that at Regent University, we sponsored a, a forum on authoritarianism and globalism rising. That forum was on March 29th. The very next day, the World Government Summit was held in Abu Dhabi and in Dubai. And just listen to the name of it, World Government Summit. The very first thing said from the podium by one of the people from CNN was this question, are you ready for the new world order? They're eager, they're giddy. They see that one world government is right at the door. They've been planning for this for a long time. And now they're very bold and they're very open. At this uh, summit that began the day after our summit, when people like Leo Homan, whom you'll hear from in a moment, essentially unpacked and said the day before the World Economic Summit what they were going to say, he exposed them for who they are. On that day, there was an economist from the London School of Economics, a Fabian Socialist School, and, and her name was Pippa Malmgren. She stood up very boldly and she said to anyone who wanted to hear, well, we're about to do away with money and we're about to do away with accounting. And so now in the future, it won't be money. In the future, it will be a few central banks like China's central bank, America's central bank, Europe's central bank. And so money won't be cash it'll be digital and there'll be programmable money, meaning the central bank will decide who gets how much money, what the money can be spent on, what the money can't be spent on. She said that accounting will go away. Why is that? Because we'll be living in a surveillance state because every uh, fraction of a cent that we spend will all be recorded digitally and it will be recorded by a central bank. It's shocking. No one would give up money. No one agree, would agree to this. And they talked about this at the summit that uh, there very likely could be a cyber attack where all financial sim systems could go down and then it would resurrect in this programmable centralized money with centralized banks. And they're giddy. They're excited. They all think that this is a great thing. Why? Because it means control. It means control over our lives. So what they're envisioning is a one world government. And they were talking about it from the perspective of money, but now something new has come forward that we've, we've just discovered. And uh, it is the fact that there's another perch for one world government. And this is another meeting that is coming up in Geneva, Switzerland. It is coming up within three weeks. This is where we need your prayers on this. It is May 22nd through 28th. It's the World Health Assembly in Geneva, Switzerland. The World Health Assembly is the governing body over the World Health Organization. During the last two years under COVID, you may have heard of the WHO, the WHO, and our 
American CDC, Centers for Disease Center, was in some sense taking orders from the WHO, the World Health Organization, but we were also setting our own parameters. But now something very strange is about to happen. Leo Homan wrote a column about it, and I want Leo to talk more about it. I'm just setting the stage for Leo to be able to talk about it. I found out about this World Health Assembly through a column that Leo wrote. And in this column, he said that it is the United States of America under the Biden administration who are bringing amendments to this governing body. And the amendments would essentially give away American sovereignty over our healthcare decisions. And we would give it to the WHO, the World Health Organization, which is really connected to the United Nations. And it wouldn't be only the United States giving away national authority to the WHO, it would be all nations to the WHO because there were international health rules put into place in 2005. And so this isn't a treaty. We wouldn't have to uh, get this approved by the Senate. It would simply mean a majority of the nations who go to Geneva, Switzerland in this third week of May. And if they agree, a simple majority, to give up their authority to the World Health Organization, then that would mean six months later, come November, automatically the decision would be made and decisions over pandemics, lockdowns, et cetera, would no longer be in the hands of the United States. It would have shifted to an international body, the WHO. There are profound implications as you can well imagine. And so now I would like to call on Mr. Leo Homan, an investigative journalist who, it, who has incredible accuracy. Leo, would you go ahead and talk about this topic? Yes, thank you, Michelle. Can everyone hear me? Yes, we can. We certainly can. Great. Okay. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you, Jim and Rosemary, for letting me have this opportunity to share this very important issue with everyone on the call tonight. Uh, as a matter of background, after about a year of COVID in March 2021, a group of 25 global leaders, including Boris Johnson of the UK, Angela Merkel of Germany, uh, Dr. Tedros at the WHO, and a slew of other global leaders came out with a joint statement and they said, you know what? We need a new global pandemic treaty that would enhance the compliance powers of the United Nations World Health Organization. And, uh, they wanted to give them more authority in dealing with what they call public health emergencies of international concern. They said the WHO does not have enough teeth and it needs to be strengthened significantly in terms of its enforcement powers. If they'd had these powers, they said, they could have gone into China immediately and found out exactly what happened at the Wuhan Institute of Virology where this uh, virus apparently leaked out of, leaked from or was purposely set. We still don't know exactly what happened there. And then in May of 2021, just a couple months later, the UN came out with a report calling for essentially the same thing. We need a beefed up 
World Health Organization. And so a few months later, they launched into the beginning of this whole process, which is very drawn out and lengthy. They have to have like three sets of public hearings. Uh, they draft and negotiate the treaty. And uh, they were hoping to have this treaty, they are hoping to have this treaty ready to be voted on by the World Health Assembly in August 2024, excuse me, May 2024. So about two and a, about two years. And there's been a lot of articles in the conservative media about this proposed treaty. Now, if this wasn't bad enough, in January of this year, and this is what no one is reporting, our own US government, as Michelle alluded, proposed something very different. It was another way of beefing up the power and authority of the WHO that would sidestep the treaty process altogether. Instead of the long process of negotiating, drafting a treaty, holding all the public hearings, uh, they proposed, why don't we just change the existing treaty that governs the actions of the WHO? And this is called the International Health Regulations. And as Michelle noted, this treaty has been in place since the George W. Bush administration in 2005. These amendments were not just, they were just made public two weeks ago on April 12th. We didn't know anything about this until two weeks ago when it showed up mysteriously on the WHO's website. And it apparently came from the US Department of Health and Human Services uh, in the Biden administration. There was a letter on file along with it and it is now on the agenda for the May 22nd to May 28th World Health Congress, World Health Assembly, excuse me, in Geneva. It's on their agenda to be voted on. So it's not like someone is trying to take our sovereignty away. Apparently under the Biden regime, they're just ready to hand it over. The problem is conservative media is now focused on that proposed new pandemic treaty and they're not paying any attention to the amendments to the existing treaty. Uh, myself included, I, this may have been done by design to confuse the media because even I was confused until less than a week ago when I had a conversation with a gentleman named uh, James Rogoski out in California, I believe he's an attorney. Michelle spoke with him, I spoke with him and he really laid it out for us. And I don't wanna take credit because a lot of this is his research that ended up in my article uh, from last week. And it's still the, uh, the top article on my site. It's been picked up by Gateway Pundit. We are making strides in getting the word out there but not nearly enough. Uh, because as M Michelle said, they are ready to vote on this in about three weeks. They're trying to sneak this in through the back door in what amounts, in my opinion, to a sucker punch to our national sovereignty. It's imminent, it's urgent, and it's real. Now, what exactly is it that we're so concerned about? Article 12, Section 2 of the International Health Regulations, which, as I said, were approved in 2005, removes the requirement for the WHO Director General to get consent of the nation in question when it comes to declaring a public health emergency of international concern. They also want to set up regional WHO health czars who could declare a public health emergency of regional concern. So 
not just on an international basis, but if there were an outbreak or some sort of health emergency uh, that they considered, you know, could endanger maybe Canada or Mexico, one of these health czars could come in to, and declare a public health emergency of regional concern, and we would automatically fall under the WHO's guidelines on how to deal with it. They also want to change Article 59 so that the timetable of any amendments taking effect would drop from 18 months down to six months. That means if they pass this, these amendments in May, they would go into effect in November. Think about the possibilities. I should state up front that the words pandemic and virus do not appear anywhere in this document where they, they are proposing these changes. Instead, they use the much broader term. They call it a quote, public health emergency of international concern. Almost anything could be fudged into that broad terminology. All of the left's favorite issues typically are framed in terms of public health, right? Public health, public safety. You've got climate change. You've got vaccines for everybody, on, for every disease. There's a whole new round slate of vaccines that are in the works for just about anything you can think of right now based on this new mRNA technology. So it's not just COVID we're talking about here. Any of this could be declared a public health emergency. What about gun violence? We've heard various Democrat politicians describe that as a quote, public health crisis or public health emergency. It's really bad in Chicago. Uh, the CDC could come back. Actually, the CDC has already stated, this came out about three or four months ago, that white supremacy was a public health emergency, a public health crisis. But before I get too far ahead of myself, uh, we do want to read the intro to the mission statement of the document containing the, pros, the proposed amendments. I'm, this is a quote from the US Department of Health and Human Services, uh, a woman named Lois Pace. She is the Undersecretary for Global Affairs for Health and Human Services. She's the one who sent the letter to the WHO and signed this document. And it says up front, quote, the United States of America is proposing amendments to the IHR of 2005, International Health Regulations. The mission by means of this note and in accordance with Article 55.2 of the IHR respectfully request the Director General of the WHO to communicate the text of the attached proposed IHR amendments to all state parties at least four months prior to the 75th World Health Assembly in Geneva. We are also transmitting via this note a letter to the WHO Director General, Dr. Ted Rose, from the Assistant Secretary for Global Affairs of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Lois Pace, reiterating the critical importance of strengthening the international health regulations along with other efforts to strengthen the ability of the WHO and member states to prevent, detect, and respond to future public, public health emergencies of international concern, unquote. So there you have it in their words, not mine. Uh, so we have basically two tracks here trying to accomplish the exact same thing. We've got this brand new treaty that they're trying to get off the ground that would take two and a half years to approve. 
that's the uh, the long term thing. And then we have this these amendments, which are short term on a fast track that would change the rules in a way that would do the exact same thing, only it could do it in a matter of months as opposed to a matter of years. And this is all being ignored by, of course, the mainstream media and most of the conservative media is thoroughly confused about it. Like I said, I myself was confused and did not recognize the distinctions between the, the new treaty and the existing treaty that they want to amend until last week. And uh, as I said, Article 12, Section 2 is the poison pill embedded within this document. They have a whole host of amendments that go on for eight or nine pages, but the one that is the real sovereignty killer is Article 12, Section 2. And with that, I uh, will wrap up and I guess we can take any questions. If I could just add as well, I would just note the context of the times that we live in. Many of you may be familiar with uh, what Secretary Pompeo referred to today. Shanghai is one of the largest cities in China. It's 26 million people. Since April 5th, the people in the city of Shanghai, so imagine if it's New York City. New York City is about 18 or 19 million people with all five boroughs. In Shanghai, the people are confined to their, to their homes, to their, primarily to their apartments. This is unbelievable. I, in human history, I don't know if anything like this has ever happened. So today is May 1st. Mm -hmm. And since April 5th, all the people of Shanghai are confined to their quarters. Now, if what Leo Holman just described happens, if the United States and all nations of the world effectively give our sovereign decision-making authority over healthcare decisions from our country and from all nations of the world to the World Health Organization, that would mean if there was an outbreak in, let's say, Peoria, Illinois, the director of the World Health Organization, currently Tedros, could make a decision to lock down, to lock down the entire state of Illinois, to lock down the entire st uh, United States of America, to uh, decide that everyone has to be vaccinated, to all of these draconian decisions regarding health care would be decided by him. I also want to note that today a story came out from Bill Gates. Bill Gates has been odd on this whole COVID thing, very authoritarian. And he came out today and said, he doesn't think we've even seen 5% yet of how bad COVID could be. It's almost like he's predicting some terrible new thing that's going to come yet from COVID. So this is clearly an effort to take away the power and authority from the American government and put it into global government and not just our nation, but all nations. And so what this is creating is a platform for one world government through healthcare. Uh, as we had said before at the World Government Summit on March 30th, they were creating a platform for global government through a cyber attack that they were forecasting was going to happen and that money would go away and that we would have digital currency and that accounting would go away and that centralized banks would have control 
of the accounting. So what we're seeing is not just on one level, but on multiple levels in real time, not off into the future, in real time, platforms are being put in place for one world government. And so that's what Leo and I want to bring to your attention, not fear, but to let you know that this is happening very soon, very quickly, and it is demonic as you look through it, but the intention and goal is to take away the rights that we have as American citizens and give it to an international body. It's also important to note, as Leo mentioned, this, these amendments that the Biden administration are taking to Geneva, Switzerland, to the World Health Assembly to change these international health rules, they would come into effect in November. So what that would mean is no matter who wins the election, uh, the authority and decision-making wouldn't be in America anymore. It would be in the World Health Organization. So you can see the impact of what all this would mean. So I hand it off. Yeah, if I could just add one quick thing. Michelle mentioned Shanghai. In all of the documents put out by the leaders of the World Economic Forum, whether it be Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, uh, Yoval Noah Harari, uh, the, the, even the Rockefeller Foundation, which is heavily involved with the World Economic Forum, they all hold up China as the model. Uh, as far back as 2010, in a paper called Lockstep, the Rockefeller Foundation play, uh, put out a simulation of a future health pandemic, and they said that China would lead the way and be, be the one nation that would be able to uh, deftly deal with a pandemic because they are authoritarian and they don't have to go through all of the democratic processes that would be required in the United States, Canada, or Europe. Uh, and, and since then, we've seen Bill Gates not only praise China, but praise Australia, which, as you know, had uh, taken the uh, leap into forced quarantining uh, in, the, in the weeks and months after COVID, forced quarantining. And, uh, and so, yes, China is the model. Australia is the model. And this is what they want to see happen in the United States and Europe. They know they can't do it as long as we have sovereign leaders. So they're trying to sidestep national sovereignty and get this in place for the next pandemic. And they have said that the, the, the pathway towards world government will only be accomplished through a series of crises. And so they know that there's going to be more pandemics. They, there could be World War III, a cyber attack expect a wave of crises in the next few years as they try to implement this entire world government strategy by 2030. That's their goal. Thank you, so um, Congressman, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Mario. I have a few questions and then we'll turn it to Jim. Um, Michelle, you mentioned that it would not matter, but November, they could literally, I don't know when the six months lie, it, it just on this alone, have some sort of uh, absolute lockdown of the United States going to paper ballots and control the election that way, correct? Oh, well, I, I'm sorry. I don't know if I completely understood what your question was, Mario. Yeah, that if this is enacted before the elections, they could utilize this uh, World Health Organization calling for lockdown of the United States if there's some sort of election variant of the coronavirus. 
Yes. What, what, uh, and again, this is very soon. This is May 22nd through 28th. So if there is a positive vote in the, in the World Health Alliance, which is the governing board of the WHO, and a simple majority of the members vote that the Biden amendments are accepted, then there is a six-month period that would expire this coming November. And that would be, the rules would be finally accepted in November. It may be, Leo, maybe you know, is it a public comment period? Is it, could, could the amendments be vitiated in those six months? Did, did you read? Well, that's part of the problem. There's very little transparency going on with this whole amendment strategy. While we know how a new treaty is uh, adopted and, and approved, there's been very little information put forth about how these amendments would not only be uh, voted on, but implemented. Will they be voted on in their entirety or will they be voted on separately? There's 13 total amendments. We don't know. Uh, this, this document that we have, is this the final draft that will be voted on or could they be uh, tweaked or changed again before the uh, May 22nd deadline? Uh, these are all things that we don't know and I wish we could get some members of Congress to put pressure on the Health and Human Services, uh, uh, United States Department of Health and Human Services, Javier Becerra, he is the uh, the head of that agency. He needs to come out and come forth with some more information. I don't know the answer to that, Michelle. Well, and the other thing that we don't know, according to James Rogalski, when we were having our conversations with him, no one knows who the delegates are to the World Health right. Organization. So we don't know the particulars about the process. We don't know the particulars about the rules. We don't know the particulars about who is going as delegates. So this is shrouded in a certain amount of secrecy, I'm sure by design. But again, this is where I want to shift us over to World Prayer Network because the word of God says in one portion of scripture to pray that the Lord would expose the hidden deeds of darkness. We don't know all these things. We don't have to know all these things. We've tried to do as best as we possibly could. As Leo said, this was only discovered and only posted two weeks ago. Think, something of this mammoth importance, all the nations of the world giving to this international body, the World Health um, Assembly, overseeing the World Health Organization, and we're all giving our decision-making over to them, and no one even knows about it until two weeks ago, and we don't even have the particulars this is where I wonder if Satan isn't overplaying his hand and he's giving us an opportunity, two or more of us agreeing together in the name of Jesus, coming under his blood, standing on his word, crying out for his salvation. It is the safest place in the world to be. That's why there is no fear. I know while uh, Leo and I and a few others were working literally day and night trying to unravel what this is, trying to figure it out, trying to alert as many people as we can. I want to say that the Lord gave me a profound sense of peace, a profound sense of joy that he has this. It's like Psalms 2. The nations are roiling against the Lord, and yet the Lord sits on his throne and he laughs. But this is a, a serious time when we do have to take this seriously 
And we need to recognize, you know, be like men of Iskar who understand the time and know what to do. It's very important that we are serious and earnest in prayer and that we seek the Lord over this. We, we don't want to go into this system. And if we can come together and agree in prayer and ask the Lord for his will, he will hear us. He is clear. He, if we cry out to for him for wisdom, he will give us wisdom. And as I've been discussing this with Leo and with others, that's what we've been trying to do is trying to find out as much as we can alert as many as we can. So there's a three-pronged approach. The first one is alert people. So that's why we're on the World Prayer Network tonight, to alert people as to what is going on. Number two level of attack would be if you have any relationship or a sphere of influence with any senator or with any House member, if we could get senators and House members to put a hold on, on legislation or write a letter or make a comment, senators especially would have the ability to weigh in and perhaps we could stop this delegation from taking these amendments. So senators and House members would be key. The third area where we could have input would be with lawyers. I spoke with a very influential lawyer last Friday and sent all of this information to him and asked this this lawyer, would he please look at the process? Perhaps there were uh, different due process uh, uh, violations that were made and we could stop this. So that's in process. So whether it is informing people, working through senators and house members or working through the judiciary, I think those are three areas where we can ask the Lord to begin to work as we cry out to the Lord for salvation. So I just wanted to bring up those three areas for prayer, judicial through the political of house and Senate members, and then also through informing people. We, we will in just a couple of minutes, uh, Michelle, we'll ask you to lead in prayer. That's the foremost, most important thing we can do. Uh, we do have just a couple of questions before then. Uh, if you can please give us Leo's website and any other background information so that we can educate ourselves well to be able to contact our senators and congressmen, number one. Number two, this is a global call and we have, as you know, many friends in Latin America and other nations. Where are the other nations? Do we know if there's any nations that are going to resist this? I, I heard there were a few that tried and it did not go well for them. Um, and what can uh, those international uh, uh, prayer partners do, uh, those of influence and so forth, um, in their own nations? Leo, did you want to take any of that? I have not heard of any uh, public, you know, strategies in place by foreign governments to resist this. I mean, I would not be surprised if China, the whole Russia-China uh, wing of the United Nations does oppose it. I, I don't expect them to vote for it just because anything right now that the U.S. proposes, Russia and China are probably going to vote against. Um, but how the vote will break down, I have no idea. And whether or not there are countries in the free world who might be making you know, a stand against this, I have not heard. Have you, Michelle? 
Yes, in a conversation, private conversation that I had with James Rogowski, the fellow who initially found these, uh, who found these amendments filed online. Um, he said that there were several countries that were resisting and it didn't go well for them. Um, there were difficulties within the countries as they were pushing back. So that's an issue. The other thing I wanted to mention, if you look at the World Health Organization, we fund it primarily, the United States, but it's China who controls it. They, they are the ones to put Tedros in charge as the current director. They control it. So this may be something that China's on board with because the ultimate the, authoritarian yeah. nation in the world is China. So they, they might not have a problem with this. In if, fact, they feel they can if they feel they can control the secretary general of the WHO, you're right. There's a, there's a chance they could be on board with it. But I, I, I definitely do not see Vladimir Putin ceding his sovereignty anytime soon to the no, World Health no. Organization. No, I agree. I agree. Leo, can you please give your website and any other reference for? Yes. Thanks, Mario. It's just my name, leohoman.com. And my last name is Homan spelled H-O-H-M-A-N-N. So leohoman.com. And if you go to our uh, conference that we held, um, it is regent.edu slash globalism. You'll see Leo's presentation and Leo's presentation is on the World Economic Forum and what they're up to and what their background is. And you'll get all of Leo's information there as well. So regent.edu forward slash globalism for more information on this topic. I have one final question. We'll turn it over to Jim and then we'll go into prayer. Um, the Shanghai circumstance, I mean, it is our understanding that the Omicron and all the uh, subsequent variants were very, very mild, comparatively speaking. Is it the same variant of coronavirus? Is there really any reason for, for the shutdown? And on the World Economic Forum, the Davos, and then the one uh, World Government Summit in Abu Dhabi, was there any discussion of a potential coronavirus, uh, I, I like to call it election variant, between now and November that can they can utilize again to shut us down to steal the elections? Let well, me ask your, yeah, oh, go, ahead. go ahead, Michelle. I was just going to say, let me address the last one first. I, I absolutely think there'll be a quote unquote mm -hmm. tongue in cheek midterm variant. And I mm -hmm. think that Bill Gates threw that out today. Just expect that it's going to come wink, wink, nod, nod. I think that that's something that we're, we're going to be looking at. I was reading an article this morning regarding Shanghai, because again, I would, in my mind, every media outlet in the world should be covering Shanghai every day. There's never been anything like this to contain and control people on that level. One of the articles that I read, it was very, very few people who came down with COVID in Shanghai. And so there, uh, China is adopting a zero COVID policy. I was speaking with my brother this morning, who is a physician. And I said, is it even possible? Could you even contain COVID in any way by taking that many people and locking down? And he said, absolutely impossible. You couldn't. A virus is a virus. A virus doesn't respect walls or people or lockdowns. It, this isn't going to stop it. So it's difficult to understand 
what China's thinking is because Shanghai is the largest port in China. I've been there. I've toured that port. It's an unbelievable port. Everything that we get, you wonder why we have supply chain problems. It's because since April 5th, the port of Shanghai has been shut. And this morning I read another article, another city of about a million and a half. I think it's called Yai, Yai U. Um, they have a, one of the, the largest exports in, and they primarily export all into the United States. They also completely shut down a city of one and a half million because three people tested positive for COVID. So this is weird. This is strange. Something is going on. So I don't know if China is trying to precipitate one world government and trying to precipitate collapse. I don't know, but, but I think, again, this says more, more than anything to me that we need to pray because these are such unprecedented actions, unprecedented times. We need to pray into this. I will tell you just on a personal level, the Lord has had me up almost every night for the last week, almost every night pressing in in prayer. My spirit just bears witness that there's something so significant happening right now, not to lead us to fear, but I think there's just going to be such a closeness that we're going to have with the Lord because of these unprecedented times. And so that's where we want to be near the heart of the Lord right now, because these huge, deep, big things are happening. We're, our hair isn't on fire. We're just seeing things, reading things that we couldn't have even dreamed of before. And we wanted to share it with you on World, World Prayer Network. Thank you so much, uh, Leo and, and uh, Michelle. Back to you, Jim. Congresswoman, uh, <clears throat> you and you're joining with Rosemary and me and co-hosting the Future Conference in Washington, D.C., uh, July 20 through 22. And a part of that, day two of that three-day conference is focused on dealing with the cancel culture. Cancel culture is a broader way of saying uh, simply uh, elimination of, of and marginalization of all people values like us. <clears throat> because of that, it has thrown me into an environment meeting with various groups of people who are thinking remarkably creative about how to create an alternative universe, a parallel universe to function during this time. And I was speaking at a conference in Northern California yesterday. We changed our flight to stay later just to hear and meet a small group of people and some of their thinking, what they were doing. And I was blown, without going to the specifics of, I was blown away by the creativity of what is emerging. And for the first time, the thought hit me in this enormous pressure that's coming along uh, people of faith and people of Judeo-Christian value structures who are not even regenerate or people who are patriots, uh, some libertarians, some, some various odd communities that are sort of coming together. And then some uh, liberals who are realizing this is, this is going wrong. Uh, there is, it could end up being the finest moment in terms of creative thinking of how to dodge the bullet on this. I don't want to be Pollyanna about it, but I saw the, the things that are emerging are things I have never thought of or heard. And, and, and so I say that going kind of to the, the, the next part, and this is a question 
uh, for Leo, if Leo is aware of this or heard of it, and Jody, who's on the call, Judy, who's on the call, and Pam, who's on the call, can comment more intelligently than I can. But Leo, were you aware back in December in the United Nations in New York City, a comparable type of vote, comparable in the sense of the surrendering of, surrendering of sovereignty of nations. The issue was not health. The issue was so-called, here's the buzzwords, election integrity. And in that vote, it didn't, actually the vote didn't occur. It was going to be by consensus. So there was an effort to get nations to rise up to simply call for a vote. One nation, I think it's best I not say the nation, but it's one we wouldn't look to for our freedoms. But one nation was going to rise up and call for a vote and 10 other nations were going to potentially join them. That's the number they were looking for, the magic number 10. Some of us on this call talked to actual ambassadors and uh, they were gonna rise up. The Biden administration found out about this nation and crushed them and shut them off and shut it down so they couldn't even call for a vote. Even though they would have lost the vote, they couldn't even call for the vote. They were crushed, warned, threatened with all kinds. You, you know how the our U.S. can do that to other countries. And the result was by consensus, since no one objected, no one called for a vote, in quotes. This passed, and they tucked into an election integrity law, effectively the surrendering of sovereignty, and they tucked in in the last minute a couple things, LBGTQ stuff, which means the nations lost their capacity to even have a say on that and tied it under the guise of election integrity. Some nations that would have risen against it with leaders we respect could not because they were in contested elections themselves and it would make them look like they were for corruption and not for integrity. They were trapped by the language of this. So my question is, uh, are, were you aware, I'm going to give kind of three quick questions. Were you aware of that at all? Because it has, it appears to me some parallels. The second thing, part of my question, Leo, is you spoke to this, but I didn't quite catch it. Others may have, I did not. The issue of a treaty has to be Senate approved. How, yes. you, 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 maybe, I just didn't catch it. How in the world can they bypass the United States Senate for a bona fide treaty? And then the last thing is what Congresswoman Bachman talked about, things we can do it seems like we have to muscle up the PR, the prayer, the fasting, and the muscling up of the PR and contacting Congress. But unless Congress or the Senate can then vote on this, it becomes just a PR campaign as opposed to one with legislative teeth in it. So let me just ask the first question. Did you know about the UN vote in December? Are you aware of it? If you're, if you're not, that, that's fine. Two, how do they bypass the Senate on this or are they? And then number three, if we can go a step further, and what do we do? Back to you, Leo or Congresswoman. I'm not aware of the election integrity. Uh, you know, it sounds like some leverage was applied there in a very sneaky way. Uh, so I, it, it was probably all handled, you know, back burner without any sunlight whatsoever from the media on it. Um, number two, Senate approval. Yes, two thirds of the Senate is required to approve treaties. Once approved, treaties supersede even the US Constitution. So they have extremely powerful effects. Uh, but because this is not a new treaty, it's just an amending of an existing treaty, they are planning to bypass the US Senate. 
And I would argue, if I were a member of the Senate, that this needs to go before the Senate for another vote, because they're not just tweaking or updating minor parts of an existing treaty. That happens all the time. They are essentially overhauling this 2005 treaty by removing the, the requirement that the, uh, the nation, the host nation of a so-called international health emergency no longer has to approve of uh, the declaration. So it can be declared a, a public health emergency of international concern without the nation itself having to buy into that declaration and think of the possibilities for that. So, uh, you know, like I said, it could run the gamut from gun control to gun, you know, they don't even say gun control, they call it what? Gun violence, as if the guns do the shooting themselves. And that could easily be declared a public health emergency. Um, and, and you could continue right on down the line with so many things that could be framed in a health context and then you have this uh, treaty kicking into effect and we lose our sovereignty. So in my opinion, it should go back before the US Senate, but until we can get a Senator, I would think someone like Rand Paul would be all over this. Uh, if we could get somebody uh, who has a, an in with him to bring it to his attention, because I guarantee that probably no senators or house members, if I had to guess, are even aware of this. Uh, sadly. And, the, and, and the reason why they aren't is because, again, this wasn't even posted until April 12th. Well, Easter was after that, too. So here we are sitting at May 1st. So it's you understand why not a lot of people are aware of this or know what's going on. So if, again, anyone in this audience has a sphere of influence, whether it's to be able to get the word out or to be able to get to certain senators or house members about this, or to get to the judiciary, please use that opportunity. The other observation I have is that things are happening very, very fast right now, very fast. And these are multiple platforms that are being created that look like they were intentionally being planned behind the scenes, and now they're becoming vivid and transparent as a platform for one world government. So I don't think there's going to be just one platform. I think that there are multiples. This is a one world government platform through healthcare, yes. what Leo and I are talking about. And you can to understand this issue even more, go to leohoman.com, Leo, L-E-O, and then Homan is H-O-H-M-A. Is it two N's, Leo? Yes, two N's. Okay, H-O-H. M-A-N-N.com. He has a great column that he's updated. You can forward that to anybody and then they'll understand what we were talking about tonight. He makes it very, very understandable. But this is a moment in time when we are seeing a tremendous advance and push for one world government. And so that does not portend a good outcome. That's tremendous authoritarianism and tyranny. We lose control over our own lives. It completely upends what the United States stands for. So that's why I think it's a privilege for us to be able to pray into this. It's just a privilege to pray in and ask the Lord to have his way. He is so much bigger than what the nations are trying to do. 
but we need to pray into it because tyranny results in people being hurt in misery, in destruction, even in death. So we need to pray into this and take it seriously and then know and understand that the Lord will not abandon us. His banner over us is love in the present tense. And so we don't need to fear in any way. It'd really be interesting if, of all things, God uses Russia and China to veto <laughs> something that's horrific. Um, I, I, I think of everyone has contact in some way with their member of Congress. So I'm urging you to get uh, Leo's article, leoholman.com, and get that to your congressman. Uh, you, you probably have some kind of communication. You can ask for the chief of staff or anyone, call the office and ask them if they are aware of this. Read the, the article's very easy to read. Leo, you wrote a wonderful article. It really, uh, I found it very fascinating. And then, uh, Michelle, I would think with some of your connections with Fox or Newsmax or One American News or some of those, we, we would be able to get it out to some of those uh, major news networks as well to make people even aware this is going on. Yeah, I, I agree. And also, we had Rand Paul as a part of our conference that Leo presented at here at Regent University. So we'll do our best to try and uh, pump it back to him too. But again, it takes a little while to get people's attention. So just, no, no. just pray. That's why that's where prayer comes in right now. Well, that's where we're going to go to. I'm going to go back to Mario for another question and we're going to roll right into prayer. My last question, Michelle, uh, multiple platforms towards the one world uh, government. Uh, we've got this relinquish, potential relinquishment of sovereignty, uh, the programmable dollar, the, the crash, uh, inflation, et cetera. Um, can you just quickly address what to me appears to be escalation, intentional escalation by the United States towards World War III, that there's no effort in de-escalating, in, in diplomatic efforts, helping Ukraine. Do you believe that they, um, World Economic Forum, those behind all this, would like to see us thrown into either a nuclear or world war? I absolutely do believe that because war is extremely expensive. It is exhausting. And I believe that that is exactly what the World Economic Forum um, on their website, you can see they have been pushing the U.S. and the whole world to get involved in this Russia-Ukraine effort. They want that to happen. And I think that when you get the whole world involved in something like that, there can be a tremendous conflagration. And other articles I've been reading is how the United States is terribly depleted in our own military for our own defense right now. Remember, uh, Joe Biden left about $84 billion worth of the finest weapons in the world on the floor of Afghanistan, on the desert floor. That was all left there, including tremendous amounts of uh, air, air equipment as well, and as addition to munitions depots. We now are not getting things you know, from China and from other countries. We have supply chain problems. So material, basic material are missing for us to be able to even produce here. And we have been sending so much over to Ukraine in terms of money and in terms of munitions. There's been a real question about where we're at in the United States, what we're left with for defense purposes. The other thing is that President Biden has been siphoning down to almost zero 
our strategic oil reserves. That's one thing that United States has. President Trump wisely filled up the strategic oil reserves to the brim. You, in case of attack, you have to make sure that you have fuel, oil, gas. We were, fill, we were filled under President Trump. And under President Biden, he's draining that. So we are, from, from my observation, the reading and studying that I'm doing, I'm seeing the United States kind of hanging out there naked I see us very vulnerable on the world stage in many ways. Plus, don't forget Joe Biden and others, the World Economic Forum, have been uh, prophesying famine, that there will be food shortages and famines. And so this we're being told to, be, to prepare for, that this could be happening as well. So that's why, again, not to have a spirit of fear, but to say, this is what I think Satan is prophesying over the world. And so we have to hold on and ask the Lord for his wisdom. He cares for us and we've got to stay in his lane. We have to stay in the lane with the Holy Spirit right now where he wants us to be. Yes, Michelle. if I could just add a, briefly to that. Uh, U.S. has been sending Stinger anti-aircraft missiles and Javelin anti-tank missiles to Ukraine, hand over fist. This country has not, I read an article today, this country has not produced a Stinger missile from a U.S. factory in 18 years. So these missiles are coming out of our existing U.S. military stockpiles. If we were to get invaded by China or whoever, that means we, our U.S. service members would have less to work with because it's all being sent to the Ukraine. And to, get to, to replenish these stockpiles would take two years. And so I have also been researching about potential Vladimir Putin motives and uh, there's a very strong argument to be made that he has intentionally made this a long drawn out war for the very purpose of depleting, knowing that NATO and the U.S. would be supplying the Ukraine. And so he, he wants this to be drawn into a quagmire where we, will, where we will deplete our own defenses, our own blood, our own, uh, not our blood, but our military hardware and our treasury. Uh, on this war to severely weaken the United States. And this part is conjecture on my part. There's very good reason to believe what I just said is true. But if you take that a, a step further, could that be the, the, a, ca a case of, the, of Russia and China trying to weaken the United States? First, we have the COVID uh, uh, pandemic come out of China. Then we have this war, regional war, potential world war in Ukraine, depleting, depleting and weakening the U.S. military. Uh, and, and, and so what, per, what does this pretend for a year or two down the road? Are they trying to soften the U.S. up for an invasion? That is the question. We need to really be in prayer about that. Thank you so much. Michelle, uh, please, if you can lead us, you're a tremendous prayer warrior, woman of faith, please lead us in prayer. Mario, thank you. Please join me in prayer. Oh, Father, we come to you and exalt you. Father, we come into your presence boldly, 
because you say that we can, because we are made righteous by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So therefore, we thank you. We thank you, O Father. We praise you. Lord, that is the weapon of our warfare. Praise to your name. Thanks to your name. Lord, when we stand in your courts, there is fullness of joy. So I pray, oh God, in these moments, this has been a long, long call and somewhat fearful here at the end. I pray that you would banish the spirit of fear in our midst. And instead, Father, I pray that you would give us the spirit of faith. Would you allow us, Lord, as boldly as these people are trying to destroy the world and destroy the United States and set up some artificial kingdom? Lord, would you allow us to be as bold about our faith in you, our trust in you, our belief in you, knowing that there isn't one moment that you are not going to be mindful of us and our families and of our nation. So, Father, we lift this time up. We know, oh God, that Israel is your time clock. Jerusalem most certainly is the second hand. And so, Father, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the Jewish people. We pray for, the, for Israel tonight. Lord, if we are not able to be strong, Lord, there Israel sits. And ultimately, you are the strong right arm for them. But, Lord, we see the diminishing that is happening here in our own country. We're looking at a country we no longer recognize. So, Father, we pray by faith and not by sight. We ask, oh God, that you would miraculously bring up to the right people, senators and congressmen, just the exact right people knowledge of what was posted on April 12th, that these amendments from the Biden administration would be presented on May 22nd and then voted on for approval. Lord, we ask this would not be done in Jesus' name. We ask that these amendments would not go forth in Jesus' name. We ask, Lord, that these amendments would be canceled in Jesus' name. I pray this whole World Health Assembly in Geneva would be canceled in, G in, in your name, that they couldn't even possibly meet. Lord, all of these plans, Lord, that behind the scenes for all of this evil, you see it. And so, Lord, we pray Psalms 2. We pray according to your word. Not, Father, losing our trust in you. Instead, gaining our trust in you. Because we see the fulfillment of your word, even in the days that we live in. Thank you, Father, that you've privileged us to live in the greatest time of history. So we stand together, shoulder to shoulder, brother to brother, sister to sister, not flinching for a moment, standing together, knowing that you are hearing our prayer and you will answer with your wisdom, with your understanding, and that you covered it all with your blood. I thank you, Lord, for these moments that you created the World Prayer Network just for this purpose, so that in a moment, in a night like tonight, we could come together and have a forum in a vehicle. We never had this before, but we could have this forum and vehicle and share what we know. But more importantly, we can share our 
faith in Jesus Christ, knowing that you are enough. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for hearing our prayer and hearing us when we cry. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.